Welcome to episode 13 of the Spectrum Lounge. Host Rebecca Theodore Vachon is joined by film critic Candace Frederick, Clayton Davis of Awards Circuit and the Latino Entertainment Journalist Association, and Frederick Joseph, creator of the Black Panther Challenge and the Captain Marvel Challenge, as they share their thoughts on the trailer for the upcoming film Best Enemies and Hollywood's continual problem with racial reconciliation films. Also, a recap of the 2019 Oscars and the controversy surrounding Steven Spielberg and Netflix. about to have a really spicy <laughs> today. So we're going to start off with the uh, trailer for The Best of Enemies dropped Yes, I want to say it dropped Friday or Saturday, right? Um, it stars Taraji P. Henson and Sam Rockwell. Um, basically the plot, uh, Taraji P. Henson plays a uh, plays Anne uh, Atwater, a civil rights activist in Durham, North Carolina, who battles with the Ku Klux Klan leader C.P. Ellis, who was played by Sam Rockwell, for a decade until 1971 when the two agreed to co-chair a two-week community meeting to deal with a court-ordered school desegregation decree which changes both of their lives. Um, <laughs> so the movie is written by Robin Bissell, also directed by Robin Bissell. Producers include Danny Strong, who worked on The Butler and is also one of the executive producers of Empire, Fred Bernstein, Matt Berenson, Robin Bissell, Dominique Telson. Also, Toby McGuire is a producer and Matthew Plouffe. And from what I'm, what I'm understanding, out of the producers, there's only one black producer and this movie is actually written and directed by a white person. All the other producers are pretty much white men. Is um, the producer Octavia Spencer? <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with you, Candace. What did you think of the trailer? Oh, I was not trying to start. Um, I, you know, oh God, uh, I wasn't in love with it. I really do root for Taraji P. Henson, um, and I really like Sam Rockwell generally. And so I'm really, I'm really interested to see them working together. I'm not interested in seeing, I don't know. I'm, I'm tired of these types of movies because mm-hmm. I feel like, especially if they don't have a, a whole lot of a substantial number of black creatives mm-hmm. um, in the, on the production team or in the writing team, which is so incredibly in, integral to coming up with a well-rounded script that actually has... Um, that that centers on a black female heroine possibly that's that's always a red flag for me i'm just i i, I if i sound fatigued it's because i am like i'm exasperated i don't know that's all i can say okay so what did you think clayton what were your first impressions of the trailer so uh, i i was following this movie a bit last year mm-hmm. uh on award circuit we typically try to predict the Oscars all year round. And this was one thing that kind of bubbled up in the early part of the year as like, Hey, this, cause I was familiar with what the subject was going to be. So I was kind of excited by the prospect of it, but not paying attention initially to everyone that was in, that was on board with it. And I know this was like, I think this movie's like four years in the making. I think like in June, 2015 is kind of when they all started the whole like work towards this moment. Wow. I think it was right before, um, Miss Atwater had, had passed. Mm-hmm. So with that said, now it becomes incredibly tone deaf in this kind of, uh, agent era of, you know, where we're trying to get diversity and inclusion in every aspect of the entertainment industry. And here comes this 
film that is trying to be quote unquote important in the landscape, but is not reflected in its production team or its cast. And, and I, and I listen, I, I love Taraji B. Henson and I love Sam Rockwell. And I like a lot of the people that are on board with the cast. I like Anne Heche when uh, Wes Bentley, um, John Gallagher Jr. However, I think it, it's going to be kind of like this soft lob down the middle for, safe cinema watchers that just want to you know have something quote-unquote be pleasant and not challenge their uh thinking in any way shape or form mm-hmm. um what did you think fred <laughs> <laughs> i guess as the person um here who doesn't necessarily just from a i have my vantage point is that of a viewer right i'm not okay. not a film critic or That's anything important. That, yeah of anything of that nature and i woke up <clears throat> And I saw the trailer on Twitter, and I almost threw my phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> on especially on the hills of Green Book, right? Yes. Um, and I think to the point that Clayton just said, just completely tone deaf. Um, this has the makings for me of being potentially far worse than Green Book. Wow. Because there, what you're dealing with, like Green Book was. <sighs> It, it was for people who didn't want to necessarily think and, you know, white people who wanted to leave the theater feeling okay about themselves. Right. This is tackling issues also with the KKK, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those of you who are, aren't familiar with the story, um, the gentleman that Sam Rockwell plays, I forget his name, but he was the actual president of the chapter of the KKK. Yes, Yeah, CPLs, right? Mm-hmm. He was the president of the chapter of the KKK in his town. The trail, in the trailer, and I made a joke before we got on air. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's kind of doing this—not even kind of. He was just like, "I'm the, you know, I'm the president of KKK. I can't like black people, but I sure do love black babies." And I'm just, oh. and I'm just like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and they about to give Sam Rockwell an Oscar for this. Watch. Oh, it's probably already engraved. Yeah, or I'm, yeah. I'm sure they're 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 they've already hedged their bets. Yeah, yeah. So my well. take is it's a mess. It's an absolute mess for people who don't want to think and for white people who want to leave feeling good about themselves and feeling as though they did something for diversity. Mm-hmm. So cool. can, can I also add, add to yes. that as well? So I, I'm sure this story and I, and, I w- and I would argue that the story of Ann Atwater and C.P. Ellis are very n- not known at all, like right. in general public. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't walk down the street. No one's going to know who you're talking about. But I'm pretty sure there's been other tellings of this tale from many different perspectives of right. from you know white authors, black authors. However, this particular film is adapted from Osha Gray Davidson's book, The Best of Enemies: Race and Redemption in the New South, mm-hmm. um, and he's and he's a white author. So I think we're already coming. The fact that it's being adapted from that kind of vantage point already mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. already put the movie in a, in a corner and Fred's feeling of wanting to die and immediately after seeing the trailer <laughs> was was rippled all throughout America so I, I what what I always try to err on the side of caution with and mm-hmm. and this is coming from someone and then this is, I know this is like a curse in the community right now right. that doesn't despise the existence of Green Book mm-hmm. but I can always kind of like do a sigh of appreciation like okay at least you're like you're trying to bring some type of diverse story to the big screen. Like I kind of, it's almost like a roll of the eyes. Like, okay, I guess you're trying, but can't you just do a little better than this? Mm -hmm. Like, can't you try just a little harder? Like this was safe, like in the 
60s but like we're in 2019 now i think you should be able to go a little deeper or Mm -hmm. choose different stories or just like not base it on that book at all and just do a whole retelling of it like Mm -hmm. there were so many different avenues they could have went right you know, I, I think for me, that's one of the reasons why I've kind of stopped hanging my head on diversity and focus more on inclusion, right? Because that's yeah. what was lacking with the Green Book. So I don't have a problem with Green Book being made. I have a problem with the lack of inclusion of more people, more black people, um, in terms of the making of the film. Mm-hmm. I will yeah. never be happy with anything in this world, any piece of content that, you know, speaks for anyone whether it's a something that's centering women but men wrote it right or something centering a black person but white people wrote it you need to include the people in the room that the content is centered around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no i i agree i mean i oh lord i saw the trailer and i legit thought that it was an snl spoof (laughs) i really did i was just like is that taraji like because i didn't recognize her um so but i i agree with you like it's it's you know and you touched on this clayton and fred is like the is like who's telling the story from whose vantage point right and so Mm -hmm. much like green book um you know we're having these and and i call this genre these are racial conciliation movies right about some racist white person and then some a black person and how the black person makes the white person see the error of his race uh of his ways and then suddenly he's like oh i'm not racist anymore you know what i mean and i'm not saying these things aren't important because people, I mean, clearly there are are white people who may have been racist at one time and then they have, (laughs) you know, a change of mind or a change of heart. But again, these movies are very white gazy to me and it makes me highly uncomfortable because um, with Green Book, did I hate the movie? I didn't hate it. It was okay. I think what really irritated me more about Green Book was the reactions of white people who were trying to white explain to black people as to why they should not be upset about this movie or the existence mm-hmm. of whatever criticisms any black moviegoers or black critics had about Green Book. And Candace, you can you you can back me up on this. Anytime any of us said anything like Green Book, they just showed up in your mentions like poof. You know what I mean? And these are these <laughs> yeah, are white people. They get very bothered. Yes. They get yeah. Very, very, very bothered. If you say anything about Green Book, I'm like, wait, are, did you make this movie? Because I don't understand why you're so special. <laughs> they like, were just dying like, on all the hills. Crazy. Yeah. And 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 I would always notice that as people that didn't follow me I had never had interaction with these peoples before and I'm not saying you can't have an opinion but I was like oh it's interesting out of all the things that I tweet about about inclusion and diversity mm-hmm. black you know movies or Asian American movies or whatever people this of is color, what you're coming out for yeah this yeah. is this is the hill yeah. you want to die on and it was like well I don't see anything wrong with this movie and and I do feel like these type of movies um, they coddle white people and I think mm. you touched on this Clayton and on the fact yeah. that it doesn't it doesn't force them to have any sort of um, critical analysis or any self-analysis. It doesn't, and especially when you make movies that are based back in the 1960s, mm-hmm. there's a certain distance, right? Because much like Green Book, and we're going to see this with Best of Enemies, it's 50 years ago. According to people, uh, racism is over, yep. right? So they can walk out of the theater like, oh, that's so nice. He's friends with the, you know, with the black woman now. And it doesn't require them. And I, and I, and I, and I think that this is something that we really need to talk about is when we make these kind of movies about racism or racial conciliation as a white moviegoer the question you should be asking yourself when you walk out of the theater is like how am I complicit in holding up these systems of oppression Mm -hmm. and how can I be 
a better ally and a better co-conspirator? Like, if those are not the questions that you are asking yourself when these kind of movies are made, I feel like you have failed. As a filmmaker, mm-hmm. you have failed if these are not the questions that white movie that white moviegoers are asking themselves when they walk out of the theater. Because if you're patting yourself on the back, no. <laughs> that is not, yep. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah not yeah. when well, we have, I, Well, I yeah. think there's a sense of safety, especially when you watch something like 12 Years a Slave and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that was like 150 years ago. Like, <laughs> hey, it ain't that bad. That's real racism. Mm-hmm. So there's like a qualifying like hierarchy that society has mandated for, you know, what types of stories we're telling and how you should really feel about them. And one of the hardest things that I think it's has been to explain to anyone that's not a person of color mm-hmm. when we when when we're talking about in this era of Donald Trump as president mm-hmm. is like you know they're like you know like you guys always drop the race card you always bring up the race card like yeah. and they and they and they never and I feel like people fail to see and and that's actually it's it's unfair almost even to say that it's not even person of color I feel like people of color also uh have desensitize themselves to it too because they're like listen like it's not always about race but like okay maybe isn't always about race in that subject but it always plays a part in it whether you want to see it or not Mm -hmm. and and i think in the best of enemies by the way side note i do not appreciate hollywood typecasting Sam Rockwell in these racist ass roles oh my now. God. I would, bring that up. Yes, I would really appreciate if we stopped that. Like I got yeah. three billboards, he's great. And we gave him vice to George W. Bush. And I was like, all right, that's kind of stupid, whatever. But now can we can just cut that out. I really appreciate that. But back to back to the subject. Um I think in a film like this, yes, you know, nineteen uh seventy one isn't like this thing we get into like the 50s and 60s and stuff and i feel like that feels long but when we're in the 70s that is mm-hmm. really recent mm-hmm. people who are who were really racist during that time are still alive mm-hmm. and very and yes yeah, still racist <laughs> uh you know and, and that's the thing i think they also always assume that oh they're friends in the end that's it see racism could be cured just like that all you have to do is spend like some two weeks together and then everything's fine mm-hmm. and green book all you have to do is go on a quick little road trip across <laughs> america and find your black friend in the shower with a gay guy and then everything's okay and <laughs> they, they never like they, it, they think it's just like so quick to just mm-hmm. get a race and be like oh yeah racism's really easy like just all you gotta do is spend a little time with them and then you're okay right right yeah, well they don't like movies that are really having uncomfortable conversations and when I say uncomfortable anything that confronts racism is very much like it's it's very much almost like an insult to them like Mm -hmm. they don't really like to receive things in that way they like to be talked to down at their level um, and that's exactly what Green Book was successful at doing. Mm-hmm. They like they they just want to be appeased. They don't want to be confronted. That's mm-hmm. why they, that's when they start throwing words around like preachy, which I can't stand when somebody says that about a movie because <laughs> that's when you know that the the movie was probably doing something right if they felt very uncomfortable about it or they thought that they were being preached to. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. completely agree with all that. You know, I think it's interesting because, in my opinion, this is why Bill Street wasn't nominated for Best Picture. Oh, get out my head! Be- get out my head! <laughs> because, you know, when I when I saw Bill Street, I actually saw it um, early on. I've been waiting for it for some time, and I saw it with a bunch of, not with white people, but there were white people in my um, auditorium. For those of you who have ever watched the movie in New York, um, it is a very difficult <laughs> thing when you have white progressives saying sorry to you after a film. But anyway, uh. um, <laughs> but the point is, I think that with Black Klansmen, 
with Green Book, a lot of these films that white people are able to get behind and nominate is because they revolve around a level of racism and hatred that they feel like they're like, oh, well, this is the KKK. That has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Bill Street is about a system. Right. right. You know, and, and it doesn't end in in this happy go lucky. It's like, no, this mm-hmm. is the system. And you destroyed a family. Right. And it's the system that we continue to be in. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. You guys are getting a little riled up here. You know, yeah. like I don't this. It, it makes Bill Street is the type of movie that makes white people have to think. Mm-hmm. Right, you yep. you have to be uncomfortable. Yes, you have to see black love ripped apart by racism. You have to see a family that doesn't look much different than maybe your own, mm-hmm. and you don't want to own the fact that they didn't deserve anything that happened to them. Right. Then I think also a certain level of it, even the woman in Bill Street who um, had said, everyone's seen Bill Street, I'm sure mm. at this point. Yeah, yeah, yes. uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the woman who said that um, uh, uh, Vani had did it wasn't even white she was puerto rican and 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 she was white passing right which is a whole different conversation a whole different level of things and i think there was just too much thought for people people like yeah we can't nominate this yeah i i I honestly agree with that i think with beale street and to me beale street when you compare it to movies like these you know simplified racial conciliation like beale street was dealing with a lot of complex and nuanced conversations mm-hmm. about white supremacy yep. and and it's like the macro versus the micro right white people can get macro aggression like mm-hmm. when you have the kkk burning down the house the thing with, with white people is they lack a certain uh they they lack the 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 ability to see the nuances of the micro aggressions mm-hmm. right about the things like you walking the street and she crosses the street right mm-hmm. or you get on the you know what i'm saying like just this week um, New York City passed a law saying that you cannot discriminate against black people because of the way they wear their hair. Yeah. That this is a law that has to be passed in 2019. Mm. And I've yeah. worked in corporate America and I've and I've seen this. I shared a story about how, you know, I was applying for a job years ago. Mm-hmm. I was sitting with a black recruiter, a black headhunter, and he was looking at my resume and he was like, Everything's good. Um, you know, you're totally, you're like overqualified and everything. And he was like, you know, kind of giving me like these um, points to make during the interview. And then he looks at me, he was like, yeah, there's just one thing. And I'm like, okay, what is it? He was like, he looks at my hair. He's like, yeah, the the braids, I I don't know. Cause I had just gotten my micro braids done um, earlier that week in Harlem. And he was like, I don't know if, you know, it it might be a little too ethnic. I'm like, I'm a black woman. Like, what are you talking about? Like, and number one, I spent too much money to take these braids out. And you know what I mean? And the thing with Michael, you can style them any which way. Clearly, I had already planned that I was going to wear it up in a bun or whatever because it was a more corporate, you know, more conservative company. But just the fact that, and I'm sure he, yeah, I'm sure he felt that he was helping me out. You know what I mean? But it was like the fact that black people cannot even be their natural ass selves you know what I'm saying? Like the hair that grows out of my or however I style my hair is mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but black, back to Beale Street, the way that that movie dealt with the way white supremacy, um, you know, or, or the systematic ways that it that it attacks black families and it and it tears apart black families. I don't think people were ready for that. Nope. You know what I mean? And and I, so, I, have, mm. I was just gonna say that, like, and I maintain this with Beale Street. I mean, I because I do agree with what you're saying regarding how. Mm 
it was received at the Oscars. But mm-hmm. I would also say that one of the strongest themes that I got from from Bill Street mm-hmm. was love and romance and black families. Yes. And that is something that has been routinely and categorically ignored from, from the Oscars. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to see two people in love, two black people in love. They don't want to see you rising above the system. They mm-hmm. want you to fall <clears throat> below the system, where, yeah, yeah. you know. And so they, they, that was such, I mean, because I, I do think that uh, love is a form of resistance. Black love is a form of resistance. Absolutely. And that's not something that they were really willing to accept. Like, no, you're supposed to be downtrodden. You're not supposed to be helping yourself. Actually, we should get a white person in here to try to help you. Like, those are the films that had no that white savior. Absolutely. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Candace, thanks for ruining my point because I was going to say just about all of that. So thank you for that. Um, no, no. But, well, as, and this is coming from someone who Beale Street was his favorite film of the year. Number one, mm. voted for it everywhere I could to try to get this thing like recognized yeah. and hit the nail on the head. It's all about the perception of blackness in, mm. in media. It's OK to see us in bondage. Mm. It's OK to see us getting like you know, the hell beat out of us at any given moment, but put us in a love story where we're just really in love and you're not selling drugs in order mm-hmm. to like make it in the end. Mm-hmm. So then like you have to ask all these questions and Rebecca, you, you talk about that story mm-hmm. um, about corporate America and, right. and, and, and Fred, you bring up a point earlier uh, about how we perceive, even how we perceive one another. And I can just remember getting on an airplane one time and I had got upgraded to first class it was like the first and only time I've ever been in first class in my life <laughs> and when I walked on the plane I felt like I was getting a lot of those looks from people in first class like what the hell he doing here like how did he get here mm-hmm. right so I had sat down and then I was like blah blah and sure <laughs> enough two seconds later a black man walked in on the plane and sat in first class with me swear to god i think i gave him that same look like how'd you get here mm. oh like, no i had almost that same mm. reaction and i was like oh my god this is like the endless cycle of like things that like happen in our in in in, in our lives and and i just rem- i remember something like that and i think why beale street just sl- i felt like slapped me across the face was wait this is black love this is like mm-hmm. what i don't get to see mm-hmm. all the time and it and it moved me in such a way that i've never known before and i and everyone that asked me about it like i tell them like listen this is a very important film and you may not get why i love it so much but you need to like make time for it mm-hmm. and best of enemies is not doing that it's doing what what makes people feel safe it's okay to see black people getting like cursed out and mm-hmm. dealing with the kkk and in the end we will forgive the white man for being such a terrible person to us for all these years mm. and we'll be friends in the end and then you will feel <laughs> safe again and that's where we are yeah i was thinking and th- one last thing with beale street i remember uh there was a film critic i believe is mark harris um, mm-hmm. who shared that he went to a screening of beale street I- i'll never forget that he said this and that and it was like that explained everything as to why i got shut out um he said he went to a screening of beale street and there was an older white couple that was sitting like either in front of him or beside him and when the movie ended one of them, I don't know if it was the husband or the wife, turned to the other and they said, "You know what? He probably did it." <laughs> and I, and I can't and, I, and that stayed with me because it was yeah. like, like if you watch Beale Street, any intelligent person can clearly see that Fonny did not do it. You know what I'm saying? Because even in the confrontation with Regina King's character and and the rape victim, mm-hmm. there's no there's what I love that Barry did in that scene is that there was no mistaking that this woman was sexually assaulted. There was yeah. clearly, uh, she was clearly suffering from PTSD, um, post-traumatic, you know what I mean? Like she was traumatized. So that without a doubt, she was absolutely raped. 
But, you know, in the exchange with, with Regina King's character, when she asked her about the lineup, she was like, well, she clearly, it, it's pretty much said that they told her to pick that person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's why she had to run away to Puerto Rico. But, but you know what, Rebecca? You know what's funny about mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. I, I remember watching Beale Street, and I, I'm not familiar with I, – I never read the James Baldwin uh, novel, so yeah. Beale Street, the film, was my first introduction to yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But I found myself even asking, like, could he have done it? Like, Because mm. like, I, was, I, I was like, these, this, like he's too perfect of a human, mm-hmm. like, on screen right now for mm. him to have not done it. So I was waiting for the big twist where, right. like, oh, actually, he did do it, and he's a monster. Yep. And then I was like, oh, no, he – Oh, they're just good people. That's all we like. It's mm-hmm. okay to just be a good person, right? Like in the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know that it's, it's interesting that you said. That. I know we're supposed to be moving on from this. Sorry, mm. Rebecca. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting. Just the Beale Street podcast is good. I like yes, that, right? yes. Um, <laughs> need more of those. But it's interesting because I think that that, that is ac- absolutely connective tissue to your first class experience, right? Where mm-hmm. you know, for me, I. I've had to re-engineer the way I think about black people and black experiences in the last 10 years because mm-hmm. where I grew up, there was no, there were no fathers, there was no black attorneys, black doctors, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I went to college, you know, 15 years ago now, and when I got there, I'm meeting all these black people who were from affluent communities and, you know, this, this, this other blackness is normalized. And for me, when I saw Bill Street as an example, I immediately was like, oh, we don't do that. Mm. (laughs) That's just not what we do. Right. Right. Or like when I'm in first class, I'm like, where are the, where are the other black people? Mm -hmm. You know? So I, it's, it's this interesting thing because I guess this is like the, the base of the work that I've been doing um, for the last year or so is like this this idea that representation really does mm-hmm. um, speak to the humanity and the dynamism of people, right? right? Um, it's the same reason why people are angry about Captain Marvel because mm. women can't, why is it she smiling? And women mm. can't be the strongest or yeah. Black Panther. <laughs> you know, so I saw somebody online with Black Panther the other day, they were like, oh, well, if it's supposed to be so technologically advanced, why are they wearing primitive outfits? I'm like, are you out your fucking it's mind? Not- <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Number one, let me not even touch that. Um, But what you're saying on what you're saying that that all ties in as to why these kind of racial conciliation movies that are made through the white gaze, Mm. uh, let me be specific, that are made through the white gaze are so harmful, right? Or, Or why we actually need more of these type of movies made and directed by black people, because even within our own communities, what, what, you guys are saying is that we still have internalized racism within ourselves. You know what I mean? Even yeah. as a black person, the images, I'm thinking like, I was born in 1971. Um, and I mean, I can count the number of black people that I saw on television until we hit the 80s. It was it was a dearth. I think um, Tootsie from Facts of Life, right? Kim Fields. That was like mm-hmm. the first time that I saw a black girl that looked like me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like with the ponytails or whatever. And so everybody wanted to do their hair like Kim Fields. You know what I mean? And then there was uh, Bernadette Stannis from Good Times. But like the, the imagery of black women was just far. And then, you know, my head was totally turned when Diane Carroll was on Dynasty, right? She was playing Dominique Devereaux, and it was like, look, a rich black woman. You know what I mean? And it was like going toe-to-toe with like Alexis Colby. You know what I'm saying? And just just sort of these things. And, of course, Captain Uhura, Michelle Nichols from Star Trek. So there's this timeline, but it was like it's just so far and few between. But, yeah, even like I, I remember there were people that were saying these are black critics, not naming them, that their complaints about Beale Street is that it was too beautiful. 
It was too beautiful. And I'm like, so black oh, love can't I, be beautiful? I, I always hear that it's, it was boring. And, that, what? and that's what becomes like the frustrating thing. Mm-hmm. You're like, it was so boring. Nothing happened. I'm like, nothing happened. A lot happened. Like, <laughs> like, like a lot happened that you're just not used to. Because mm-hmm. you were waiting for like the big adversity. Or, or, or you were waiting for him to either get absolved or us to like, everyone like yeah. needs these concrete mm-hmm. like, actions or endings to happen and we get uh, like you know the obligatory endings of or like of our um open to interpretation endings mm-hmm. like i'm th- uh, it's a really weird example to bring up but like inception the thing turns and you never know if it falls or not yeah people walk out of that and they're like brilliant that was brilliant <laughs> cinema but god forbid you see Bonnie sitting at a table with his son and they show him a date and we don't see the date of when he's getting out and we can't just be like, that's brilliant. I don't need to know. I just know it's a long time. You know, I I, I read the book and when I watched the movie and I don't think a lot, because it seems to me that some of the people who have these hot takes about Beale Strait, some of them have not even read the book. I don't think people really understand or appreciate what Barry did in adapting that movie, right? Mm -hmm. Because he was like, because I had interviewed him a couple of months ago and you know, in at the end of the movie, we we do see Fani, we see Tish, we see their son, right? And so it's, mm-hmm. it, it was, and I think that ending made me cry even more because mm-hmm. it was like the scene where before where she told him, we are, she's not coming back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had a like a lump in my throat. I was like, oh my god, he's gonna kill himself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and if you read the book, that is what is intimated mm-hmm. by James Baldwin that not only, and a lot of people don't know this, not only that. Is it hinted that Fani killed himself? Um, Fani's father killed himself the day that the baby was born. And mm. Barry was like, when I adapted that movie, he was like, I couldn't do that. He was like, I couldn't kill the patriarchs of a black family. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? So he was like, yeah. I had to find a medium where I could, where I had to find the honesty and the authenticity of of the tragedy of this family, but without making it sort of like trauma porn. You know what yeah, I'm saying, and yeah. and I which do, is what everyone's used to. Yeah, when and they, that, when and they see the black family on screen. Yes, yeah. and and so to see them years later, this child is healthy. He's happy, right? And and there there was a scene in the book where Fani had told Tish that he was going to build them a table because remember he was a carpenter. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to build us yeah, a table yeah. so our family can eat. And Barry was like, this table was now in a prison, but Fani still kept that promise, not in mm. the way that he thought. You know what I mean? But the the fact that they had this circle of support with both parents that were like, we're, we're going to raise Fani and Tish in love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And mm. that to me is so revolutionary. We mm. hardly yeah. ever that was, see that. And, and that I think that people, because mm-hmm. it's funny because I, I had been talking about Bill Street. I saw it in mm-hmm. Toronto at, yeah. the, at, the, at the world premiere mm-hmm. in Toronto. Yeah. And I... I just remember a lot of people, well, mm. I remember a lot of conversation at that time and mm-hmm. then never again. I know there was a lot of back and forth with the date, with the date of release. And then it was, um, it was staggered after that, which whatever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, a lot of people just, they either said, I mean, a lot of people liked it, but no, not enough to talk about it, which is also a concern. Mm-hmm. And then also there was some people who came in like late in the game with these ridiculous hot takes where they would just be like, Oh well, it was pretentious, and I'm like, wait a second, because you guys like don't let me bring out Terrence Malick, who I cannot stand. Mm. <laughs> like, y'all, y'all love his movies, and they're not about 
anything yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and love their movie and it's just like i i just i like i don't think that bill street is all beauty mm-hmm. and no substance i think i agree there's substance in the beauty but i think there's a lot a, a yeah. lot of other things happening there mm-hmm. i mean rebecca i mean mm-hmm. i i can re- you said you cried at the end i mm-hmm. and really embarrassing yeah. i saw it at the new york film festival because actually i was with kansas the day before she saw the world premiere at bill street mm-hmm. at, uh, at tiff and then i left and i was really upset with her about that but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I saw it at new york film festival just like a few weeks later mm. and I cried 15 minutes into the movie where nothing was happening and they were just walking and I don't remember mm-hmm. like how it like overcame but I, I think it was just like the, you know Candace talks about like the story about love mm-hmm. and I was just like and it was so overcome that I was like oh my god like I'm watching this happen and I, at the point I had no idea what was going to happen next I was just like oh my god it's black love in a way I've never seen before right. and you know we talk a lot especially as film critics and film lovers we're always talking about like you know what are the greatest love stories of all time yes. and you know people will bring up like an affair to remember and you know and you know eternal sunshine of the spotless mind for the more quirky you know mm-hmm. indie people and that which, which they're correct in that some of those regards but I, I've always had such a hard time like really coming into like let me name a good black love story mm-hmm. that isn't just like trad tragedy porn as someone used in this great uh, great words to use mm-hmm. you know and, and now I'm able to use this now and I'm just like oh thank god that's what it is <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's tragedy porn and I just think that um, and I just find that uh, that criticism of Barry so strange because this is his third movie in Barry has a specific he's an auteur I don't care what anybody says oh, and he, he has a, he yeah. has a specific aesthetic to his movies you, mm-hmm. you saw that um, in his first film what was his first film again um, um, Medicine, Medicine for, for Melancholy, Melancholy. you Melancholy. saw that in Moonlight that was like peak Barry and mm-hmm. and let's remember that Barry has a lot of influence from a lot of Asian filmmakers right like Wong Kar Wai yeah. he loves Wong Kar mm-hmm. I love yeah, Wong Kar Wai and I saw a lot of Wong Kar Wai influence in uh, Beale Street. So if you don't have a problem watching In the Mood for Love and you don't think it's a melodramatic, why do you have a problem with black people? Oh, because black people are not supposed to love that way. You know, it's supposed to be Tim's and it's supposed to be rough and it's supposed to be, you know what I mean? Like there's no romance. And it was too much yeah. black yeah. love. I mean, I know we, I'm, I'm, I, I know we have to move on. Yeah, it was yeah. just, it, I'll let uh, you have this last it one. Was just, uh-huh. And it was too much black love on mm. so many different layers, right? Because you had, mm. it wasn't like just a black romance story of Ani mm. and Tish. Mm-hmm. You had um, Regina King's character and her like husband, Coleman right? Domingo. Yes, yeah. and mm-hmm. which that relationship right there yes. had me. Emo- I think about that relationship mm-hmm. every other day since I saw yeah. the movie because it's the best scene of the movie too, with the whole family dynamic scene in which mm-hmm. uh, Kiki Lane tells the family it just. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's what you're you're about to get to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah no, that whole yeah. scene, the 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 layers Mm -hmm. of the black family in that scene you know from Tiana Paris yeah Tiana Paris I loved her yeah Tiana Paris you know Mm, raise raise your head sister Mm. you know but 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 showing her you know you are woman right you will raise your head and you will look at our father in his eyes but then as soon as they got past that running over i'm so happy for you yeah i'm yeah. so proud of you i'm a defender even just e- even in the way she sticks up for her sister when like, they come yes. over yes when, when, when she's like, Ooh, yeah. i've always wanted to rip the adam apple like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like come on I mean, like, best it, it picture was, it was yeah <laughs> it really was you know, and you know what was funny about that yeah. it's something that like we've never seen before but uh-huh. it felt a hundred percent like i was like that is my sister mm-hmm. i know her mm-hmm. i know that woman 
because yeah. I seen it growing up because that's how my sister used to stick up for me when people used to mess with me on the block like I get it mm. like everything just felt real mm-hmm. in that moment yeah. and that and then you and you lose that when you don't allow black filmmakers to make black movies Woo! I think that comes back oh. to the whole full circle best of enemies yes you lose the connection there mm-hmm. when you don't have people who are part of it telling the story and you can argue that you know Steven Spielberg can still like you know tell about the black experience right he made a great movie called The Color Purple and I get it Mm -hmm. yes but Spielberg also gets to make Schindler's List about the Jewish experience too Wow. so yeah like I'm down for a Barry Jenkins movie that talks about like white you know white people problems the movie part two I don't know whatever you want to call it (laughs) Like, I, like, I'm down for that movie, but, you know, Barry should be able to tell the story about his own culture. And that's why Alfonso Cuadong's Roma was yes. the same way. Like, you got to allow them to do that. Right. I, was, I also, mm-hmm. this, is, this is all I'm going to say, but I but you brought up Roma, which I still think is the best film of last year. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I love that last year gave us three wonderful films of color. Three, I think, are the best films of color last year. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them, at least. There were several, but three of them are... Crazy Rich Asians, yes. Roma, and if Bill Street could talk. Yes, I agree. Yeah, Asian, I mean, Asian I, love I, I on as, screen. I, I even go as far as say Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Woo! The same way. I haven't seen. Woo! Yeah. And so this is our Oscar segment. This is like, like, yeah. Disney, I was so happy. Disney and I have a thing. Yeah. It's they not don't, Disney. They don't, it's Sony. Yeah. They don't. They, they don't give them. Yeah. They don't give me anything. You know, I'm going to say something that's sacrilegious is based on uh-huh. based on my connection with Black Panther. But I thought Into the Spider-Verse was a better film. Wow. And I'm a, and I'm going to tell you why. OK, I think ahead. that Black Panther was a bigger moment, a bigger movement, a yeah. bigger cult. It had more cultural impact. Mm hmm. But I saw myself mm-hmm. in Miles Morales. Right. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. Wakanda. And all these 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 concepts are so big, mm-hmm. and they are so especially like I've been to Africa plenty of times. So there's certain things that even I could like I knew that I was biased. I'm like, mm. oh, this reminds me of this in Victoria mm. Falls and the Sand Third. Right. If you are from East Tremont in the Bronx, mm-hmm. there is yep. nothing necessarily about Black Panther right. that feels like you can touch it. Right. But into the Spider Verse. He's sitting there, you know, got a, um, a chance the rapper poster in the back of his, you yes. know, room. Yes. He's, you know, his father's this, you know, this big black guy. His mm-hmm. mom's this, um, I think she was probably like Puerto Rican or Dominican. I can't yeah, really. Yeah, the father was she black, African American, the mother Puerto was Puerto Rican. Okay. Yes. And, yeah. you know, she's just like, you know, he's like, all right, mommy. She's like, all right, papi, make sure you eat. And, you yes. know, he just, and he's got Jordan's on. I'm like, yes, yes this feels like. It I'm, was specific. Yeah. No, I, no I, I definitely understand what you're saying about. Like, I was so happy to see Into the Spider-Verse win Best Animated. I was like, don't mm. come to me with Incredible 2. Don't come to me with, well, <laughs> yes. I don't want to hear about nothing. about. Like, for me, like, Into the Spider-Verse, I was like, okay, I'm, you know, because I'm a big comic book head or whatever. I was like, let, let's see how they're going to do this, right? Because you're, you're getting all these different Spider-Verses converged into one. And so my initial concern, I was worried that Miles would get lost in the sauce. Mm, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But I think partly because, you know, um, Peter Ramsey is one of the co-directors. He's an African-American, and he's the first African-American to win an Oscar for an animated series. Correct, Clayton? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. 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 You're, you're, you're and, and I think, you know, and, and Philip Lord, Who's one of the co-writers is uh, Latino. He he grew up he grew up in uh, in in Miami, and so it was so 
very much like you got all of the joy of seeing, you know, all the, the Peter and the, the, the Penny Parkers and all of that. But this movie was very much about Miles. And it was just like, like my favorite scene, of course. I mean, like there's so many scenes that I loved in Spider-Man, but like the scene where he becomes Spider-Man, mm, right? Yeah. And then he throws down. Like I was flipping the freak out. And it was just like, because I went to go see it with my 14-year-old nephew, and he's Afro-Latino too. His 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 father is Dominican. We're still trying to get him to learn how to speak Spanish. But he was like, we were like, like we were holding each other's hand, just squeezing it. You know what I mean? Just squeezing each other's hands because I felt like I don't know if this sounds correct to say this, but like I got so much liberation from that scene. Like I could breathe. Like to see this black boy, th- this Afro-Latino boy with all of this immense power and and. What was specific about that scene to me was that the source of Miles's power comes from the love of his family, mm-hmm. right? Whereas other um, superheroes, it's usually like something tragic. There's something like Batman, you know, he's 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 traumatized by the, but you know, there's usually it's something dark parent, and traumatic. Yeah. But for him, yeah. it's it's coming from a space of love because all those voices in his head, his mother, his you father, his uncle, you know what I'm saying? And it was just like I cried during that scene. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. I have never. Seen and, and to see that centered around a black child because mm-hmm. usually when we see these kind, it's usually a white male, you know what I mean, or a white woman, but not an Afro Latino kid who wears like Jordans. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I, I just, mean, we ju- we yeah. just mentioned the top like four, three of my top four films of last year: Spider Man, yeah. Beale Street, and Roma. So yeah, we can all bring this full circle all day. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> down, like yes. I mean, th- that's why last year was such a great diversity year mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, and that's why I think Green Book was so um, disappointing to some. <laughs> Because <laughs> might as well just bring it full circle now. Yes, let's talk about Green Book winning. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm 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 gonna be the 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 voice of something uh-huh. else here. Okay, go so ahead. As someone as someone who didn't hate it, right. I actually I I I I look at Green Book from the perspective of mm. who it's written by, right? Mm-hmm. And I say this is a son's outlook of, of of a story that his father told him and he's telling the story to the world so obviously it's gonna be heavy inundated from the italian white man perspective and i get it mm-hmm. sure so i can i i acknowledge all the problems that everyone sees with it mm-hmm. i'm not saying it's a perfect movie right and, and i think because the oscars especially in this era of preferential ballot which i don't know if you're listeners are familiar with that please tell uh, us rebecca yes um so the oscars when you vote for best picture and it's only for best picture mm-hmm. uh you rank the best picture nominees from one to five on the oh. ballot not even eight one to five okay so it's never about what gets the most number one votes you have to disregard that because what you how you win the oscar for best picture you have to get 50 percent of the votes plus one mm. see that's so, why i had you on here clayton <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what happens is you do this whole so you do the first round and i believe if this was a one and done rome is your best picture winner today and we don't have this discussion anymore wow because mm. i i thoroughly believe roma had the most number one votes i do think so, so too yeah it just didn't it just couldn't clinch in the first round mm. so what happens is once that first round goes if no one has 50 percent plus one then whatever came in last place, they're out of it now. And we're going to assume for lack of argument, it's going to be vice, right? Okay. So all those ballots that put vice number one, what they put number two now comes into play and they get added Mm -hmm. and it all keeps going like that. Mm -hmm. So green book just lived in the two, three, four zone. And that's why it wins best picture. Wow. Because 
Roma had tons of support and people acknowledge it was the best picture of the year. Mm-hmm. But then you have the Steven Spielbergs as we're going to get to shortly. Oh, please. That were like, nope, not on my ballot. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and it probably was just on as many ballots as number one as it was in, on any ballots at all. And that's where we are today. Wow. Mm. That, that is, was, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm glad you you educated us on this because I was because yeah. I, I I went to I watched the Oscars. Uh, Erica, uh, New York City Film Chick, had a little Oscar viewing party. So it was me, Erica, and Jerry Barrow. So we were watching it. We were like so happy when um, you know Ruth Carter won for best costume design for Black mm-hmm. Panther and Hannah Beachler winning for production design. And by the way, first sp- black woman ever to be nominated. Yes, and to win. And her speech just decimated me like it was the most beautiful one of, uh, to me like it is actually my favorite speech of the night uh for that oscar uh, telecast when she said uh that she uh, i stand here with worth and self-agency because of ryan coogler and that just blew me away because you know we're I'm, we're on twitter okay Let, let's all have a con- honest conversation here sometimes if you're on twitter the way it looks like black men ain't shit. <laughs> I've, that, 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 I've been trying to dispel that notion. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, that, like black men are just not loving on black women. That black mm. men are all running to white women or Karda- Kim Kardashian looking yes. clones and everything. And and I mean, there's and I'm not dismissing the fact that misogynoir is something that is very real. And these are the things that we do have to deal with in our community. But I'm saying you know, that we do have some good black men out there. And Ruth and Hannah who are talented. I mean, they did the damn thing. But Mm -hmm. it makes a difference when you have black male creatives who can give you that platform and give you that opportunity. Because Ryan Coogler, when he was hired, and and you know this, when you come in as a director at Marvel, usually they will provide you with, you know, the FX team and everything. They'll be like, oh, here's the costume designer. Ryan Coogler rolled in there with his own squad. He was like, yeah. I'm, I'm bringing my people. Here's these black women. She's going to do the production design. She's going to do the costume design or whatever. And it, it makes a difference when you have black male creatives that are supporting black women and giving them. And, and three people come to mind. It's uh, Ryan Coogler. He's been consistent with that. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Panther was shot by uh, uh, Rachel Morrison. Yes, yes. First woman. First woman to shoot a, a, a MCU film. And I thought she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, for for, the most, and, for and first yeah. woman to be nominated for Best Cinematography of the Year before for Mudbound. Which was Mudbound. beautiful. Let's not yeah. go there. because Candace and I have thoughts. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, you know, Ryan Coogler, uh, Jordan Peele, and mm-hmm. I got into it with a with with a little faction of black women on Twitter that were trying to um, decimate this man's name because this is when the Us trailer came out, and they were just basically saying that oh Jordan Peele hates white uh, hates black women because look at his white wife, and I'm like okay I'm gonna stop y'all right there. Okay, and I'm like, because you're married to somebody who's white. Thank you. I was like, unless you can show me the receipts that shows me that Jordan Peele specifically said, I hate black women. I don't like black women. Mm -hmm. I think black women are ugly. I don't. This is a man who is consistently through his production company is giving black women. I have a thread. I'll have to reshare it. But it's like the director of the Candyman sequel uh, remake is a black woman, mm-hmm. Nia DaCosta, who made one indie movie. Mm-hmm. He loved it. He was like, here, I'm going to give you a franchise. Uh, he has a, uh, a TV series on HBO coming out called Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country, which is sort of like a supernatural take on the Green Book. I, mm-hmm. I can't wait for the show. The showrunner oh, is, is, is Misha Green, a black woman. I know that he hired a woman. She's sort of like the cultural executive producer that oversees Monk. Oh, that was recently. Yes, yeah, a yeah, black yeah. Like he is. She's young too she's very young yeah. and so she he is consistently like hiring and giving opportunities to black women 
you know, within. And let's think about Spike Lee winning his first Oscar. Um, Black Klansman was produced by Jordan Peele. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yep. you could have easily. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this is, you know, so you've got Ryan Coogler, Jordan Peele, um, and also Barry Jenkins, who was very vocal about women and black women the giving the awards. Regina King yeah. winning an Oscar. Uh, hello, mm-hmm, Barry yeah. Jenkins gave her that role. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I do feel that with the Oscars, I hope what black male creators who watch that or the message that they, they should get from these wins with Ruth and Hannah is that I need these, I need some black male creators to step the hell up. Okay. Yeah. That yes, you're making black movies, you're hiring black people, but are you are you, you know, if you're a black producer, are you finding black women directors to give them roles? Are you hiring black women screenwriters? It's not just enough to cast black women in front of the camera, but like we all know behind that the, the real camera. power yeah. is yeah. behind the camera. And, like, are you giving and, them those platforms? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, Rebe- and Rebecca, yeah. I think it's very important for your listeners to, yeah. to know some of these like big. Mm-hmm benchmarks that were achieved this year so spike lee Mm -hmm. one year after jordan peele did it was the second person to be nominated for producing directing and writing in the same year yep he's also the first slash second person to be nominated in both screenplay categories original and adapted barry jenkins also did it this year tied with him Mm -hmm. because he won um uh, original for moon uh uh, sorry adapted for moonlight he was returning again Mm -hmm. um Ruthie Carter, first African American woman to win costume design. Thank Peter Ramsey is the first person to be nominated and won mm-hmm. anime feature. Right. Um, you know uh, what else we have here? Ramel Ross and Doc. The, these are people that people don't know and they should know. Mm-hmm. Ramel Ross, who is uh, the director of Hale County this morning, this evening, in documentary feature. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like one of the first. Uh, I think he's like the eighth. A person of color to be nominated in documentary feature. Oh wow! Uh, we still we still don't have a black uh, film editor winner yet. The last mm. one wasn't it Joy McMillan was with, in, with Moonlight, was, right? Was Joy McMillan mm-hmm. for Moonlight, mm-hmm. and the film won Best Picture. Right. Uh, Terrence Blanchard, who was nominated for Best Score mm-hmm. for Black Klansman, if he had won, mm-hmm. he would be the first one since 1986, and that's the only time a black person won, and that was Herbie Hancock for Round Midnight. Wow. Yep. Wow. Um, people, I, I just think for people who may be technical here and they're like, Prince won an Oscar. <laughs> Prince won an Oscar in a category that doesn't exist anymore. So I don't count that anymore. <laughs> and, and, I mean, Oscar's an Oscar, but still. Right, right, right. No, and, I, I and, yeah. And, and, and we had and some then, Asian, we had Asian American winners like in the documentary department oh, too, right? That's where all the people of color win Oscars. That's why people mm. that people like me were uber pissed when they were like, we're moving things to commercial break. Because mm-hmm. we were like, oh, you're gonna put all, like, do, if anyone noticed, like, cinematographer, uh, uh, sh- the short, like, like they all have people of color. So when you were moving them to commercial break, we weren't gonna see those anymore. Right. Like, that, that's why it's important to do that. And, and I think people get like really uh up in arms or whatever they're like listen you know black people are winning oscars i don't know why you guys are still getting all all upset about it (laughs) the most the most nominated women at at in acting categories Mm -hmm. just to put this in perspective most nominated woman in in oscar history in an acting category is tied viola davis and octavia spencer with three wow meryl streep has 22 right and they're not even the same categories is best of, that just seems to be yeah. like where they're they're shepherding all the black actresses is like best supporting actress and i'm not that's saying where, that that's not that's important. where all the oscars are regina king is only the eighth is it well not only but she, i mean she is the mm-hmm. eighth woman 
a black woman to win to, to support an actress Oscar because that's where all the nominations happen. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Like I was so pissed. Was it was it two years ago? The one where um, I say when to me, I felt Viola Davis gave a uh leading fences. performance in Fences. I'm like, girl, what are fences? you doing as Best Supporting Actress? Yeah. But I don't know uh, if it was her team. Yeah. I don't. And what it did is it split the vote because I think that year it was her, Octavia Spencer again, oh, and, and uh, was it not Tandy Newton, uh, Naomi Harris for Moonlight. So you had three black actresses that were all in the that Best Supporting Performance. And that, oh no, yeah. I'm done with you. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I was just like, come on, Viola. And then who yeah. ends up winning? Emma Stone yeah. for I La La Land. That, they, Girl. First of all, they, they love Emma Stone. Like, I, I it's inexplicable how, <laughs> how much they love it, Emma Stone. And that was, they, they wanted to give Emma Stone that. They've been wanting to give her a second Oscar. Yes. They, they just, they love that woman. I, I don't really know, but they, they love that woman so much. It, it was really about yeah. mm-hmm. putting her, giving her an Oscar. Like, they didn't want, because obviously, mm-hmm. Viola Davis. Can so, act circles around Emma Stone, but they wanted to give this to Emma well, to, Stone. To, 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 for a little information knowledge, mm-hmm. so when it comes to category placement mm-hmm. at the Academy Awards, mm-hmm. the decision is ultimately on the actor. Yes. The mm-hmm. actor has to decide where they want to go. I mean, mm-hmm. they'll get the advice from the award strategist and say, you should go lead Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone, even though you're in the whole movie, you'll go supporting for the favorite and yeah. you agree to it. And then you're, you're kind of a jerk at that point. So <laughs> Viola Davis and fences, she won the lead actress at the Tony awards for the same role on Broadway right. for some people. So in the movie, she's, she had she was on the record of saying like, I felt the movie adaptation was very heavy on Denzel Washington's mm. character story, and I, I agree with that. And, and, and I and I think there are rare cases. This happens to be one of the rare cases where a performer like Viola Davis in Fences is what I call a straddler. She can kind of go leader supporting. You just kind of have to. It depends on how you see the movie. I agree. And I have a and I have a general rule like that I just follow. Mm-hmm. And I say your lead in the movie is if you ask me what the movie is about and your character comes up in the first or second sentence yes, when I'm describing it to you. I'll agree with that. And then, that. and then Viola, you're like, uh, yeah, it's kind of about her, but it kind of isn't or whatever. Mm. Um, but one last thing, mm-hmm. Mahershala Ali, got it. I have to point out, I know it's for a movie that everyone hates right now, <laughs> but he is, but <laughs> he is the only second black uh, actor mm-hmm. to win a second Academy Award. Okay. Oh, well, he's the second, right? Somebody was saying he yeah. was making history Denzel as the first. Was the first. Oh, Denzel, Denzel was, was the first. first. Okay. Yeah. He, has yeah. Multiple, he has two Oscars. I, I mean, I could. He has two Oscars. And yeah. he's the first. He's the first person of color mm-hmm. to win in the same category again which and he's mm-hmm. also one of the fastest by the way yeah in two years he's like tied now with walter brennan i mean the boy can act his ass off yeah. so <laughs> well i mean I, tw- I tweeted this i was like you know while mahershala has now won two best supporting Oscars, i was like please don't get it twisted that is a leading man i just i'm halfway through true, true detective. detective it's also a leading role i mean it's, a, it's a little I don't, so. yeah. I don't think so it's not a leading role at all it's not about him it's yeah I, I agree with which Candace. one Green Book. I, I, I oh, mean, Green I'll Book? continue to say I don't have anything nice to say about Green Book. You guys already know that. <laughs> yeah. and so and so and so. But I mean, if we have to talk about his performance, mm-hmm. it was a supporting. It oh was no, I agree. Ball. No, he, I agree. It was not his voice was not present. Right. At all, it was shaped by this white character. Yeah. Oh no, no, point. I agree. No, but I'm I'm saying as far as like if people are thinking that he can just do supporting roles. I mean, True Detective is clear that this man can carry, at least yeah. in my opinion, he could Might totally carry Emmy a movie. Might win Emmy the same year. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope he does. I hope going he for does. that going for that eager because he could totally win a spoken word album at the Grammys like like nothing. So I'm ready for him to come. <laughs> Yo, I've been like you, well. You know, you saw on Twitter how everybody was like pulling up stuff like because his uh, his rap moniker was uh, Prince Ali. Yeah, yeah. And so all week I've been on YouTube and Spotify like finding his <laughs> stuff, and I'm like. Yo, he can spit. Like, it's not like, yeah. oh, I'm just a rapper. No, like, he's really good. I'm like, oh, you're going up against Keith Murray? Oh, okay. You got some skills. So, so let me yeah. ask somebody ask this. This is a okay. random, super random question. Okay. So my most talented person that I've said in, in entertainment for a long time mm-hmm. is Jamie Foxx. Mm, okay. So do you think mm-hmm. he's more talented than Jamie Foxx then? Because the Acting? way, just because here's how I view it, right? Okay. Jamie Foxx is a comedian, mm-hmm. a musician, mm-hmm. and an actor. Okay. Um, hit show, mm-hmm. Oscar-winning films, platinum albums. Right. Do you think that um, if uh, Mr. Ali there was mm-hmm. to, let's say, make an album or mm-hmm. something like that? Because I haven't listened to his raps yet. Yeah. You think he's that talented? Well, that here's he- <laughs> here's the thing. I I think uh, Jamie Foxx is hella t- talented. I will not deny that. And I mean, he's like a triple threat, right? Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I do think. Uh, He's a he's a really good actor. His singing, he has a really nice voice. But ask me if I listen to any Jamie Foxx songs, like on Spotify, like on my playlist. I that's maybe not ha- even true. I, that I, can't I, be true. Like, he has like hits. Uh, uh, what is it? Alcohol? What is the one? The one? Blame it on the good. Yes, I have. That's a, but like, I don't listen to like a whole Jamie Foxx album. You They're know what I mean? Good. Like, I'm like, it's like okay. You know what I mean? As far as like, he's funny. His standup is funny. He's he's a good comedic actor. Now, just. Diverting here, uh, when mm. they said that they were doing the remake for Spawn, Mahershala was my first choice. And then they were like, oh, Jamie Foxx is going to be Spawn. And I was like, eh, I don't really see Jamie Foxx in this role, but okay. <laughs> I don't see neither of them. I think Trevante Rose needs more more love. But... Trevante oh, my Rose? God. Speak it again. Say Tre- that again yep, so Trevon- everyone can hear you. But, no, he's not, but he's not a better actor than, than, than Mahershala. Uh, every no, I'm not saying that he's a better – look, here's – I don't know if I don't know mm-hmm. the the extent of Trevante's acting ability because Trevante, for some odd reason, I don't know if it's his team. Yeah, he didn't blow up after Moonlight the way he should have. Wait, I mean, the funny I thing mean, is, he's people doing, he did Bird Box, which I mean, I'm not saying that's like proof that he blew up. Yeah, <laughs> he's more pop- he's like... actually more popular off a of Red Box, uh, off a of Bird Box than Moonlight because yeah. most people are like, who is now everybody's like, oh, the guy from Bird Box, and I, which kind of leads into the Netflix thing. But what? I was just like, what? wow. What? Because white people actually watch Bird Box and white people. Can we give you like really yeah. real? Can we there have you like go. Conversation? Yeah. Like the white people actually watch Bird Box and a lot of white people watch this tragic dumbass movie <laughs> Moonlight about this black gay boy. Like let's be really real. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I mean factual. Yeah. But, I mean g- yeah. give him some, I, I think give him some, I think he'll be bigger. I think people are going to tap. I mean I, since Moonlight he's only done like five movies so I, what you're saying is absolutely correct. Yeah. I, I just think he first of all no one realizes how like young he's 29 years old mm-hmm. and then I'm I'm really upset about that because yeah. I feel like I should be chiseled like that at 29 years old and be just a beautiful <laughs> specimen of life yeah. but I'm just saying like I think he's 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 I mean this is like the the sadness of all mm-hmm. people who blow up in Oscar winning films yeah. or win Oscars you go into obscurity I mean li- literally Denzel mm-hmm. is has been our beacon of hope for decades yep. he has eight he has eight Oscar nominations and just in 2017 when he was nominated for Roman J Israel Esquire mm-hmm. that was the first time mm-hmm. that a 
black actor had been nominated back to back years mm. yeah. in 2017. That's true. So and I and I have a, a, a and I've gotten into like drag down fights with critics over yeah. this. I personally felt that Denzel deserved the win for Crash. To me, that was a far Wait. superior performance Wait, over flight, uh, Daniel Day. For flight, for yeah, flight. for flight, flight over Daniel oh, okay. Day Lewis wow. for Abraham Lincoln. Absolutely. I was like, they were like, oh no. It, I was like, let's be clear. He looked like Abraham Lincoln. That's why I gotcha. Yeah, I love the mm -hmm. transformational mm -hmm. aspect of it. But if you really look at Lincoln, what did Daniel Day Lewis really Nothing's, do in that movie compared to what Denzel did in Flight? Yeah, I agree. a messy ass drunk. I agree. I was like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, and he had he had you. People are gonna lose stuff. I mean, listen, mm. I think Denzel. Mm -hmm. of most two-time Academy Award winning actors mm -hmm. has probably the least represented of his career wins. So I he agree. won for Glory and Training Day and I will Training not remember Day? Denzel in the yes. And because No, no, I agree. Day, no, I was, was just like, like that wasn't even his best performance. I, I was know, like Training right? Day's great and I will I will continue I mean, I'll, to I'll like defend training. training Day. I know, but I just think what what the Oscars tend to do and this is why Oscars mm. have always been a problem mm -hmm. is that we get into makeup mode or whatever and this doesn't just happen with black Actors. This happens with everyone. I mean, Al Pacino's right. Oscar mm -hmm. is for Scent of a Scent Woman, of a woman and name anyone that, that can ever like talk about that movie. Next. So, <laughs> I, so Denzel Denzel has you know been this like consistent force, mm -hmm. but it's hard for actors to come back. I mean, Forrest Whitaker won and then never came back again. Mm -hmm. Terrence Howard, Don Cheadle. I mean, wow. Will Smith. I think is one of the few. Morgan Freeman's one of the few that has multiple Oscar nominations. Mm -hmm. I don't think Jamie Foxx will ever be back. That's why it was such a big deal when Daniel Kaluuya got nominated for Get Out. I agree. Because not only mm -hmm. was it a, a black man, not mm -hmm. only a black man in a horror movie. In a horror movie. Mm -hmm. And and it was a black man that no one even heard of before. That's true. Like, no one and knew who Daniel Kaluuya was. He should have got one. He should have got a nod for um mm -hmm. Widows. For Widows. Oh my oh, god. He should have so got, got a nod for 100%. Widows. That's yeah, you you, there should have been several nominations for Widow. Yeah. Can we talk about Brian Tyree Henry? Because I was like, if there was a way to give a collective Oscar nomination for like performances in one year, like to go from Widows and then the performance he had in Beale Street, it wasn't a, it wasn't, it was like ten and minutes. Spider Man. Oh and come on, White Boy Rick. He had the year. Of, listen, I compared him to the year mm -hmm. of John C. Riley in two thousand two when he was in Chicago Gangs of New York and The Hours. Wow. And I hundred percent believe Tyree Henry should have been nominated for Beale Street. That is a one hit, one scene hit wonder mm -hmm. that you do not see very yeah. often. And Oscars nominate five minute scenes all the time, as mm -hmm. we saw with Jackie Weaver for Silver Linings Playbook that did nothing. Ugh. So we should have totally did Brian Tyree Henry this year and we missed a boat on that. But he but. didn't he didn't get the nod for the same reason that Bill Street didn't get the nod. Mm -hmm. Because his scene was that it was to me, mm -hmm. it encapsulated everything about Bill Street that made white people feel uncomfortable right mm -hmm. you know when he's like you know the white man has to be a has to be a dog or something like that because yeah. he can't be a man yeah right yeah. though and i was like oh yeah you know? and I, I was wondering <laughs> if barry was because that's in the book when he says that you know white people are like the devil or whatever devil, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and i was like oh i wonder if barry's gonna keep that in this and when he kept i was like yes he kept it like he was like he was like, i'm gonna keep it 100 and that yep. scene was so beautiful because in the book, mm -hmm. just going really quick, in the book, it, it it spells out the fact that his character was sexually assaulted mm -hmm. in prison, and Barry was like, I didn't need him to say that. Mm -hmm. I let 
Brian's performance say that to you. Mm, you yeah. know what I mean? Because not everything needs to be expositional. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Phenomenal. And because when he said the things that I saw, like the way his eyes were so haunted, I was like, oh, I know what, I know what happened. You know, he's, and this is something I'm putting out in the air, so you all heard it here first. Mm-hmm. You know who I have him tapped for? Yes. What the what I think he'll end up getting his Oscar for? Yes. Tell us. He is going to play Marcus Garvey one day. Oh, I'm not against that. I, I want think him, he'd be great. I want him to play Marcus Garvey I one love day. It. I had. I mean, I put it on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it like blew up. Right. Yes. Everybody was like, "Yes, he got to play Marcus Garvey." Yes. And I feel mm-hmm. like yeah. there is very rare. It's a very rare instance in my mind that I see an actor mm. who can hold the weight of certain roles. Like obviously only Denzel could have played Malcolm in my opinion. I can't, I still to yeah. this day yeah. don't yeah. know. I can think of anybody else who could have handled that. Yeah. But I still, I feel like Brian Tyree Henry has that level of talent. Oh, he's perfect. Where he's perfect. he would blow that out the water. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. And, so and he has another yeah, big year coming up. Talk about people that don't work mm-hmm. after like their big years. He has another four films this year. Yeah. His team is, is on unheard it. of. His team is on well, I know, I know Atlanta is, is, is being uh, delayed because Donald Glover um, has some personal issues that he has to work through or whatever. Yeah. But I love his work on yeah, Atlanta. He's, like, he's just like, because yeah, Big Boy is a very difficult be... character to play because he's not very emotive. You know what I'm saying? He's not your typical rapper. And I think that's what I like. Uh, I mean, not Big Boy, uh, Paper Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Brian brings to that role and the layers that he brings to Paperboy yeah. is just like him and Lake- Let- that's such a great cast. Lakeith Stanfield, Zazie Beats, all of them. But okay, so our last se- last segment because we have about twelve minutes left. Um, can we talk about this Steven Spielberg and Netflix thing now, Clayton? I'm going to throw it to you because you know more about the Academy and all of that. Can you explain <laughs> to people I'm re- I'm what is the proposal and why are people so upset at Steven Spielberg? So this this is not new. Anyone who's been kind of following the past few years, he's spoken out about it before. He's not a fan of Netflix qualifying for Academy Awards mm-hmm. um, because he, I, I, I can only assume he's coming from the saving of the theater experience. That's okay. what he's, I think that's what his intention is. It's not coming off that way. So I think what he's going to propose, well, I'm sorry, let me t- go back. What he, he's going to the board of governors because he's the head of the director's branch of the academy, and that's and an their, important their, point. <laughs> yes, and they, yeah, and they have their their board meeting, and he's going to talk about um, Netflix shouldn't qualify for Oscars; they should only qualify for Emmys unless. Well, I think what he's going to propose is that they have to spend four weeks in a theater prior to them coming to Netflix. This is the issue with 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 this mm-hmm. is that. To qualify for an Oscar, you just have to uh, have a one-week theatrical run okay. in New York and L.A. just for one week by December 31st. It doesn't even need to be in the same year. You have to start on December 31st, do it for one full week, and you qualify. Okay. Right? Okay. So there are there are movies who do this qualifying run and are never seen by anyone in regular life. Mm-hmm. And I say regular life, <laughs> yes. anyone that's not New York and LA, we are blessed that we have independent cinema that we can go see these movies, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So that that's like one big issue. The biggest issue I, uh, that everyone seems to have is that you're pissed at Netflix for doing this. However, Netflix is one of the only studios right now that are providing an avenue for diverse people of color, mm-hmm. all types of filmmakers to get their movies done. Right. Perfect example, D. Reese on Mudbound, Oops. the only person that came to the table 
was Netflix and then gave it to her for what it's worth. They didn't lowball her mm. or anything like that. They actually went and gave her something substantial. And her next movie mm-hmm. is going to be a Netflix movie. Yes. So you can get mad at Netflix for doing this, but if Netflix doesn't ex- if Netflix doesn't exist, no woman is nominated for cinematography because Rachel Morrison wouldn't have been nominated for Mudbound. Wow. We still wouldn't have a black woman nominated for adapted screenplay because that was Dee Reese for Mudbound. Mm-hmm. So if Netflix doesn't exist, we lose out on these opportunities and these things. And Spielberg, while he may be trying to save the theater experience, and I am for that, I think everything should try to be seen in a theater. Mm-hmm. You have to adapt to a, a different time unless the studios are going to step up and make their their films readily available and they're not doing that mm. so what well, did you what, i know you had some thoughts candace <laughs> yeah i mean and, and literally as we speak my mentions continue to be blo- blowing up oh. i sent this tweet yesterday morning okay read it and other people have been saying it too i mean all i said was it was very very quick it was just a retweet mm-hmm. all i said was mr spielberg you have your oscars let some people of color get theirs too <laughs> and this is all i said and people jumped on me first of, one of the things that people seem to have uh, an issue with and this is Usually, anytime I say anything related to people of color, I don't even have to use the word racism or race. Just say people of color at all. They're just like, why got to bring race into it? Because I am of color. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. You know? And then also because, and and then that's when I started adding Alfonso Cuaron's comments about how theaters have gentrified the process for diverse filmmakers and the whole that thing. Mm. And so... I literally said that, and then I was just like, maybe you guys don't want to hear it from me, but let let me let you hear it from somebody who actually is a filmmaker and a filmmaker of color and a brilliant one who has had some issues mm. with getting his work out. And so that's when they were just like, oh, when you put it that way, I was like, that's literally what I just said, but whatever. I don't no, care. You, you know what's <laughs> infuriating about that is that Roma was actually out for like two months prior to it streaming on Netflix. So he's I already getting what he wanted and more based on what happened this past year. Right. You know, right. I mean, it's it's been really infuriating just because one, they're like, okay, well, why, why do you bring color into it? Then also what people don't seem to realize, and I, and Spielberg is one, one of the greatest, greatest filmmakers of any generation. I maintain that I'm yeah. not trying to step, step on his neck. What I am saying is he needs to get off these people's neck. Mm. What, what he's, what he's talking about is what he, what he's doing is using his privilege. He doesn't even recognize how privileged he is to be a white, brilliant filmmaker who's had a ton of respect from the Academy and, Still working. Still working. Mm -hmm. And still, um, his comments and his, like, this, his adamant, uh, actions toward this, this goal of his, how that is stepping on the necks of these diverse Mm -hmm. filmmakers. He doesn't, he, he's so in his own zone that he doesn't realize how that's impacting, impacting these diverse filmmakers. And I, and I want to believe that people have actually told him about this, but he maintains despite what he's been told <laughs> that he's going to carry this out. Yeah. And that's I, what I, the problem is. I can't wait for this year though. Yeah. Cause his buddy Martin Scorsese will mm-hmm. be releasing the Irishman mm-hmm. on Netflix. On Netflix yeah. And I cannot wait <laughs> to see him say, are you going to vote for him or are you not? Cause you know, the Irishman is going to be a big deal and probably will do tons of Oscar cred. You, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, 
I think I caught wind of it at first because of uh, Rebecca's tweet, and mm-hmm. then I saw it trending. And you know, I kind of commented on the same thing. I said, you know, just from my vantage point, um, Netflix has placed a premium on telling diverse stories, and more importantly for me, they've placed a premium on telling black stories, even with strong black lead, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and. And I saw your tweet, Rebecca, when you were just like, well, you know, you asked the question, has Spielberg mentored, started any programs or anything like that for young, diverse, marginalized content creators, storytellers, right? And for me, it's interesting, um, another like nuanced part of, of the work that Netflix is doing. So I own a marketing agency. Mm-hmm. Um, we have stories. That's the plug right there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've been reached out to by all sorts of entities. We've, we, you know, did some things with HBO, um, you know, so on and so forth. And Netflix reached out to us. They said, mm. oh, we have noticed what you have done in marketing of films mm-hmm. and grassroots marketing over right. the last year. Yeah. You know, and they said, we want to try to figure out if we can do something with you. Mm. I, how many times has a Spielberg done that? How many times has his production studio is, you know, how many times are these major, um, you know, these major entities and these major people doing things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix is not just talking to talk. They are literally walking it. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, and I, and I got angry because Netflix is literally saying we're going to go out and provide opportunities for people, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. we're going to use our platform for that. I, I have, you know, I think a, a major resume now in terms of my marketing ability mm-hmm. And that meant a lot to me. Even if we don't get the deal, that Netflix came to me, right. a young you black were, man. You were even able to have the conversation. Precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Because yeah. these yeah. other people and, are not and, having those conversations. Yeah. And, and, and looking at this next year for Netflix, and this is why it's so important. Mm. So obviously, you talked about they're doing DeVries' next movie. Mm. Name a black woman that was able to make a, another movie after her first one this fast. And like, like we're going to get Cassie Lemon's movie this year, Harriet, yeah. the Harriet Tubman movie. Right. And it's been uh, five years since Black Nativity, and then a lot of years before Talk to Me, and then mm-hmm. a decade before Eve's Body. Talk to so Me was brilliant, by the way. Yeah. Talk to Me was brilliant. I was so yeah. upset that and it people never still don't know Kissy Lemons. Yeah. People still don't know Kissy Lemons' name. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, this year the they're going to. They're gonna give they're gonna give D Reese uh, her platform. Mm. They're also getting Craig Brewer, who mm. did Hustle and Flow. He's doing Dolomite is my name with Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes. That mm. tells the story of Rudy Ray Moore, who um, assumed the role of iconic pimp, uh, the name Dolomite back in the seventies. Right. But like it's it's stuff like this that they're allowing to come to their platform, mm. and it's already buzzed about. Like I've talked to some people that mm. um, have have talked about the movie and have, se- have seen like bits and pieces. Mm. It is going to be a big deal. And Eddie Murphy, who, you know, won Oscar nomination to his name, you know, maybe coming back like it's it's these types of things that we're going to miss out on because mm-hmm. Oscars, while it's not I've, I've always believed as someone who loves them and follows them, it's not about who wins. Mm. And it's not really all about who gets nominated. It's about the conversation that kind of circles it. Right. So like Green Book winning, like we're going to talk about and people are going to be pissed about probably for the rest of our lives. <laughs> but. But then it allows us to have this really long 40 minute conversation at the beginning of this of this podcast mm-hmm. about if Beale Street could talk. Yeah. And, and, and how, I, I definitely want to want to talk about these are the two things because you guys are all making great arguments and I agree with all of you. And there's two things that stick out in my mind, because number one, what's annoying me about film snob Twitter and I'm being specific here. Um, is that there are two things that they don't want to talk about. They'll they'll talk about everything else, but they don't want to talk about, one, the fact that, like you mentioned, Clayton, 
Spielberg is the director of the is is on the board of directors board of the Academy, right? Yeah. We're talking about this is Steven freaking Spielberg who has power and influence, right? So two Academy Awards, two Academy Awards. Right. So can, for, so for can best, we can we talk about the number one the anti bias? He is clearly anti bias against streaming. I don't care what anybody else says. He doesn't like it. He's just no, being he a cranky yeah. old he, get he, off he, my he lawn dude. Yeah, <laughs> and then can we also talk about the fact that, and I don't care. His lawyers can call me. I find something very suspicious about Green Book winning Best Picture when it is, it's is—it's been revealed that Spielberg was instrumental in finding Green Book a home at Universal, mm. right? So this is a man, for him to even call that meeting, I feel that his bias disqualifies him from saying anything. Mm. You know what I mean? So, oh, okay, because I remember when they won Best Picture, they gave a shout out to Steven Spielberg. And I was like, wait, why are they shouting out Steven Spielberg? Because I looked at the credits and I was like, wait, he didn't direct it. He did. Oh, you're friends with Peter Farrelly. That's why. And there was an article that came out with Volt on Vulture this week saying that a lot of Academy members, the Green Book vote was really an anti-Roma vote. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah. let, let's talk about, I'm, I'm just saying, you really think that Steven Spielberg was not reaching out to Academy members and other directors saying this movie needs to not win? Right. Because let's yo, Roma was giving Green Book all the smoke, Mm -hmm. all the smoke out of all the contenders. Roma was its closest competitor and then it didn't win. Right. And I'm not saying they messed with the votes or anything, but I'm saying that if people don't think that Spielberg used his influence and his power to sway or or make people think rules for him to use his influence. There you go. It'll be be, be against the rules for Peter Farrelly to do that because that's Mm -hmm. very clear in the Academy bylaws. Right. But. Steven Spielberg can run events and be like, don't vote for Roma. This is the death of cinema. Right. He was very pro Green Book. He was very, yeah. and that's from all accounts. He was like, this is the movie, this is the movie, this. Oh, mm. and it won? That's not a coincidence. Mm. So I'm just like, yeah. can we just have an honest conversation about how, you know, directors like him and Christopher Nolan, and you know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, what I love about uh, um, th- these new crop of directors, I shouldn't say new, but like, to me, Netflix is not saying anything. Like, we're the ones busy fighting for Netflix, and Netflix is just making their moves, yep. right? And to yeah. me, they're kind of, like, creating, like, the infinity gauntlet of directors, right? Okay. You've got D. Reese, Carrie Fukunaga, um, High Flying Bird uh, with Steven Soderbergh, which he shot on an iPhone freaking 6. I saw it on yep. the big screen, mm-hmm. and I was like, you shot that with an iPhone? And mm-hmm. by the way, High Flying Bird, I love that movie. Phenomenal. The screenwriting, like, Terrell McCraney, like, I was like, when is the last time that we saw a black movie where the characters were so literate? Like, it is, it is a very literate screenplay. You know what I mean? And Andre Holland yeah. was fantastic. Again, how many studios would have green-lighted that? You know what I mean? Because they were like, yeah. oh, you don't have any real basketball players playing the lead? Oh, no, we don't want that movie. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, And Terrell McCraney yeah. is an Oscar winner. So. Yep. Yeah, but and that's that's again mm-hmm. just showing how how blinded he is by his own privilege that he doesn't even realize, or maybe he does, <laughs> how much that is so terribly impacting these very these just these disenfranchised filmmakers who would not get these films out uh, otherwise. Right, and 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 that's why the the conversation of how many people of color or marginalized people that he has you that he mm-hmm. has actually mentored or given opportunities to. I don't see you doing that, Mr. Spielberg. Exactly. So I think that it is purposeful. You mm-hmm. know, frankly, I don't think that. I think oftentimes, and I can speak as a man who's in the patriarchy, right? Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes people will say like, "Oh, do they even realize like you know the center?" I'm a hundred percent sure his white privilege, his mm-hmm 
patriarchal privilege, he is fully aware of it. Why? Because he is a person who can imagine worlds and create them. He understands how humans work, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I think that people have to stop giving benefit of the doubt. You know, this is very much. Oh, to me, it's it's a white lash, mm-hmm. right? It's a Whoa. it's a white lash, and he's basically saying, you know, I will allow you know for you to be nominated allowed in these in these um historically white um settings and places as long as we are controlling and dictating the narrative because what's going to happen is the, the yes i'm going to be the gatekeeper because i and on you know i will yeah i'll also make a color pur- the color purple and things like that which was how many years ago precisely the, the color purple is not even a defense not for even, me anymore not even <laughs> but he is but i do think that mm-hmm. the existence and the platforming no, of the Ryan Coogler's, the D Reese's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, the, um, how do you pronounce it? Inyartu? Inyartu? You know, all yeah. these, all these diverse mm-hmm. filmmakers mm-hmm. is going to be the death mm-hmm. of what might end up, we might end up seeing that a lot of these white filmmakers were in actuality very mediocre. When is <laughs> the last time? No, I mean, really, Steven Spielberg is, we know that he has great films under his belt. When's the last time Steven Spielberg made a great film? The Terminal. Steven Private Ryan. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say the Terminal. Wow. And, yeah, and, and, and even in that. <laughs> and I didn't think the post was all that. It, it wasn't. Was, it was a dusty no. period and ha- piece. And, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Between now and his last great film, he has many other films. And can we talk about Ready Player One? Which Garbage. Trash. Garbage. <laughs> Garbage. So now you see I that people. I kind of yeah. like it, but, but I understand what? your point. And listen, I think br- yeah. br- 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 I bring it to, a, to the grand conversation when it comes to the Oscars. Mm-hmm. So up until this point, we've had six black directors mm-hmm. nominated for best director mm-hmm. still no one's won yet since 1991 right we've had six hispanic directors mm-hmm. the same six hispanic directors nominated in fairness this is a great win for the academy mm-hmm. five of the last six years have been won by a hispanic person I and best it. director which yep. gets overlooked consistently yes that people even know that yes and then and then to bring it outside of race for a minute only four women have been nominated for best director one mm. winner Catherine bigelow and mm. yes she deserved it and it's great right but that's why i'm going on a limb and as an oscar pundit and predictor mm-hmm. i'm going on a limb this year saying that d reese and cassie lemons will be nominated and cassie lemons could win for harriet because yes. i feel like i have a responsibility to shine a light mm-hmm. over there yeah and steven spielberg should take that same responsibility seriously and say listen Maybe I don't like that Netflix does this, and maybe there's a better way to do it, and I care about cinema, and I want to see it flourish. However, we need to keep this conversation fixated on giving the next up-and-coming generation, because Spielberg's going to die soon, and so is Scorsese, and all these people, and we're going to need to look to the future of who's going to take the mantle. Yeah. And these are the guys that are going to do it. The Guadalongs, the Iñárritus, the Del Toros, mm-hmm. the you know, Spike Lees, the John Singletons, if he ever comes back to make a movie again. <laughs> Steve, Steve McQueen. I mean, like, Steve McQueen made 12 years save one best picture, comes back with Widows and gets the middle finger all year long. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, yeah. come on now. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you. Thank you, Fred, Clayton, and Candace. This was, <laughs> tons, of, this was tons of fun. Thanks Thank you. I wish Thank we had you. more time. I'm like, damn, I wish I could have had another hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Spectrum Lounge. You can find all of our guests on Twitter. 
Candace Frederick at Real Talker, Clayton Davis at Award Circuit, and Frederick Joseph at Fred T. Joseph. You can also find our host, Rebecca Theodore Vachon, at FilmFatal underscore NYC. You can help support the Spectrum Lounge by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash underscore NYC. Thank you for listening. Until next time.